0: Let's go ahead and uh, move to our seat. Uh, Hopefully the person you're speaking with will be here uh, after the message and you will be able to converse with them then. If there are people in the hallway, please tell them to come in um, and please uh, shut the doors. Thank you. That person is in the spirit right there. (laughs) So um, in less than a month, Um, I will celebrate um, (laughs) another milestone birthday. Every birthday is really milestone, right? (laughs) And as I approach my birthdays, usually one of the things I begin to do is I begin to get contemplative and reflective about what life is, how we've gotten to where we are, what we need to do to get to where we need to be. (laughs) And as you are in... Your mid-50s, maybe you might start at 40, maybe 30, whatever, but I'm in my mid-50s. One thing that becomes increasingly um, prominent in your thought processes is the state of your health. The state of your health. Yes, the state of your health. uh, I was telling somebody... uh, I told a student at Parkdale what my favorite subjects in high school were. Um, For those who know me well, you'll know that math and science rank very low. (laughs) But now that I'm older, chemistry has become one of the key Focuses in my life. But not because of, well, probably because of the science in some way, but because of the pragmatic nature of chemistry as I've come to see it relate to my health. People have said all the time when I was growing up, you are what you eat. Right? They say that, and some people attest to that. That's true. I will say that it's true as well. You may you probably wouldn't, couldn't know this by looking at me. You may know it by me telling you before, um, but I do have high blood pressure. I do have cholesterol, and I found out that I have another uh, situation to manage that, that, that I can manage through diet, um, and that is gout. 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 Now, I appreciate gout because unlike high blood pressure, which is a silent killer. Gout gonna let you know that I'm here. You're gonna feel that pain. You're not gonna be able to walk sometimes if it gets real bad. I think I've only gotten to that state one time, um, and I thought because I'm I'm not in like terrible health in terms of I can do things. I thought that maybe I was just having pain from just you know, as my mom used to say, growing pains. But the pain humbled me so much that I went to that urgent care. Wow. And they did the x-ray. They gave me the meds. And they told me what was going on. And you know what else happened? After I found out what was going on, I started changing how I ate. Blood pressure didn't do it because I, I, I I'm I good. High cholesterol, I'm good. Or at least I feel good. Gout. I don't feel good. I hurt. I'm having to ask my wife, can you, can you please bring me an ice, ice pack? Can you please do this or do that? Can you bring this to me? Because I, I, right now I'm not trying to get out of the bed. The importance of how I eat has come to the forefront in my life. The importance of how, and eating is like important to me. Obviously it's important, very important now, but it was important for different reasons. It was important because of my taste buds at one point in time. And now it's important because of the response of my body to what I eat. And we, Solid Rock Church, are in the state where I am preaching a message that is related to the message you heard last week. That is not a message that I ever wanted to preach for the reason that I'm preaching. But it comes back to regular habits and practices as common as me eating food that have caused a grievous and disappointing situation in our midst. Last week, Pastor Kurt's message was not merely about one incident or happening in the church, but rather about the spiritual habits that eventually will manifest in such grievous and disappointing sins. And today, I want to continue on in that vein, by sharing a message from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 12 through verse 17, and the the, the phrase that led me to this passage after learning uh, after learning what I know um, was the reality that there is a holiness without which No one will see the Lord. And while we probably have heard that before, we need to take stock of where we are in light of that holiness that God requires for us to see him. And we need to govern our lives accordingly. Because there is a spiritual gout that is in our midst thank God by the grace of God it is not manifesting itself in the same way now but the ramifications and the ripple effects though when I take my the, the, the x-ray I told you about Mr. Dixon we do see some degenerative joint damage in, on your left side that's because the gout was there and I didn't know it I, my eating was what it was we want our Eating habits, our habits spiritually to change. They must change because we don't just get to where we are spiritually in a vacuum. If we are physically what we eat, then we are spiritually the same. And our habits, for better or for worse, will manifest in what we do. Just like as a man thinks, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we don't read, when we don't press into church, when we, when we excuse ourselves from all manner of things, when we excuse ourselves, when we say we don't need all of that, the enemy is happy about that. Because he knows we need everything that is available to us so that we can do the best in the Lord and access that holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Let's pray and then we'll read verse 12. Father, we come to you through your son Jesus by your spirit and we thank you for this day which you've made. We ask you that you would be with us. We ask you that you would please uh, speak to us And help us, help us to, as we heard earlier from your word, to prepare ourselves, to make ourselves ready for the wedding feast in Jesus name. Amen. Um, Brady, would you mind uh, checking questions today? I appreciate you. All right. So uh, beginning in verse uh, 12 of the 12th chapter of Hebrews. ESV, it says, therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. theological framework for this situation with Esau, who with tears wants to receive that which he ought to have received from God. The, the, what he ought to have received from God is being the firstborn. If you know your Bibles, you know he was supposed to be blessed in a certain way, and he wasn't. His brother Jacob was blessed instead. Now, Jacob did use treachery. Jacob and his mom did use treachery. But Esau's heart is shown to be what it is, even when he sells his birthright to his brother, because the scripture says he despised his birthright. That's what it meant to God. It could have seemed to him. And I might repeat this earlier later, but it may have seemed to him, to Esau, that wow, I'm hungry right now, so. My birthright will mean nothing if I'm dead. And so he sells his birthright. But scripture describes it, not using logic. Logic says, yeah, man, eat your food. If you, if you really feel like you're about to die, go ahead and get that food. Spiritually speaking, the Lord says he despised his birthright. Our theological framework, because of verses like 1 John 1 and 9, which is true, that if if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our framework allows us to sometimes treat God as if forgiving us is his job. It's not God's job to forgive you. God is the king of kings, right? A king, I know we don't have a monarchy here, but a king doesn't have to ask his subjects for permission to do anything. He can change his mind whenever he wants to. That's what he can do. And so if we are not about preparing ourselves for the marriage feast, he can be about not allowing us to be there. Recently read in Matthew, because that's what I'm reading right now, how uh, there was a, a marriage feast and, 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 and the servants are told to get everybody that they can to come to the, to the wedding, wedding feast. And then the master comes and he sees his place filled, but he sees someone who's not dressed. Someone who came to the occasion not ready for where they were and that person was put out. Let us remember. Let us remember. That there are passages like that as well in Scripture that let us know that, hmm, yeah, God is a forgiving God, but God does not allow foolishness. He doesn't allow us to trifle with him. And if we trifle with him in private, the manifestation of our trifling will be seen in public at some point at some time. We may not always be able to identify it as deeply as what it is, but there's something about human nature that will just continue and continue and continue unless God gives the gift of repentance to a person. Verse 12 begins with a therefore. So the therefore, we already know, you have to look Upward to see what the therefore is about. So the therefore that's being referenced here is um, is in verse eleven. Um, so therefore, we aren't supposed to, we're supposed to lift our drooping hands and strengthen our weak knees. Why? Because um, we know that for the moment, verse eleven, discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline trains us and positions us to access the holiness that God requires of us. So therefore, we are to lift up, they they were told to lift up their drooping hands and to strengthen their weak knees. This drooping hands and weak knees are just a a metaphor to, to, to just say that they are spiritually weak. Um, you may remember that in Genesis 4, uh, 5, and 6, when Cain's offering wasn't accepted and, 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 and Abel's was, that um, it reads that, but, but for Cain, talking about God, for Cain and his offering, he, God, had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So his face didn't literally fall. His face didn't come off and just boom. But he had that look where it's like... You know, that look, you know, we've all experienced it. We've all done it. His face was like that. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? So the Lord himself even uses metaphorical language. And in this passage, he's using metaphorical language to tell them that they have to man up, basically to tell them that they cannot wallow in the consequences and the, 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 the fact that this is not pleasurable, the fact that I don't like this, the fact that I have to eat vegetables all the time because I have gout, the fact that I can't eat steak as much as I want to or seafood as much as I want to. So what? I don't want to experience gout. So there are choices that we have to make if we want certain outcomes. And if we want the outcome, where we access the holiness that God requires, then we have to do the work of it. Now, the work, as we'll see in a, in, in a little bit, the work isn't just a matter of just this, the will. We cannot. We, I don't know how many of you have done this, but I know I have tried to please God out of my will, and it's just not strong enough. It, it might help me for about a week or so, but then something's going to happen, That allows me to justify why I'm doing the thing that I'm trying to repent from. My will, our will is not strong enough. But God does provide the grace to move us to a place where we can accept that grace and apply it in a way that doesn't excuse our sin, but says, Lord, I want to be more like you. That's some of the holiness that he requires. So he tells them that they need to be—they need to lift up their hands. They need to be strengthened. Obviously, we know that you know—we know what lifting up is. We know what being strengthened uh, is. But just—it just, is hard to access true repentance and true growth in the Lord with a face that has fallen with drooping hands, with weak knees. I remember uh, one of my peoples that we used to hang out with back in the day before I came to the Lord, um, his cousin was, was my best friend growing up. And I remember my best friend growing up would say that his cousin would be like, yeah, man, I'm about to go to this party, man. Too bad you can't go. He would just do do stuff like this. I remember this, and there'll be some points in this message that we're gonna get like real, very real, and I'm I'm, I'm, no, I'm not gonna apologize for that. It's 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 a means to an end. I remember being at a at a at the time they were the Redskins game, fifty yard line, probably like I mean, very close to the field, and there was uh, this group of people. One of them was obviously like the brother of a football player. So, you know, everybody, even though they were young, everybody was blinged up. Everybody, they were, they were the beautiful people section. Right? That's who they were. So there were a couple people in, in front of us and whatnot. But one of the, one of the young ladies um, bent down. And a guy in front of me, I was talking to, to the person who was from the church uh, at the time. He was uh, with me, and we were talking. And my man, we never met before in, in life, but why did my man, this was back, this was a long time ago. Why he tapped me on my knee and pointed to her and said, what you going to do with that? My point is people in this world are going to invite us to do things that we shouldn't do. They're going to be bold with it. They're going to be brazen about it. And we have to be those who are saying like, I don't want none of that because I'm trying to access the holiness that God requires. I don't want that. I don't want to be able to cuss somebody out. I don't want to be able to just shoot somebody. I don't want to be able to do what might come natural to you because I am living for something better and something different. So we cannot allow ourselves to be shaped by this world where the values would be such that, oh, everybody's interested in this, so, hey, man, why don't you come join me? No, we have to be in a place where even in a society like that, that we are pursuing the holiness that will allow us to stand in God's presence. Because what that means, that, 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 that behavior, what that behavior means is that this man is so far gone in his mind that this is how he thinks about a woman at, all, at every opportunity. And that is not what God will require of any human being to sexualize anyone. But it's so, so, so natural. It's so natural. And it's blatant. And that's just one of the areas where we have to be on our job because it's not always as if Satan going to be like just knocking at the door. No, sometimes he's going to tap your knee. Sometimes he's going to try to put his arm around your shoulder. Sometimes he's just going to... That's how he's going to be. He's not just going to... Go in the mode that you and I expect him to go in. No, he's going to try outlandish things. Therefore, we have to be on our jobs and we cannot be in a place where we are are, 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 are bemoaning the process that God has laid out for us to have the outcome that God wants for us. So we can't have drooping hands. We can't have weak knees. We can't have our face fall into the ground. For those of you who go to the gym. Most people not going to the gym like, man, I got to go to the gym, man. No, most people are like, are, are like gym. They're not, like, if you're me, you might go like that, but, but most people are not me. The people I see going to the gym, they, they have workout outfits that look like, you know, they put some thought and money into it, right? They don't just look like they me, like I might come out and look like I'm going to play ball. No, I'm going to lift weights. So I'm going to, right? Other people, they have like their workout clothes. That looked, like I said, it looked like they put some money into it. They are approaching the process with an attitude that's going to benefit them. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is don't have an attitude that's going to stop you from accessing the outcome that you ought to access. Because God, through the discipline, yeah, it's not, it's not pleasant. But what he has for you is to be able to stand in his presence, to see him. Everybody's not going to see him even everybody who says, Lord, Lord. Now, the context of that in Matthew 7 is about false teachers, but the principle is the same. There are going to be people in Matthew 25 who, who, the sheep and the goats. When did we not, Lord? When did we not do this? When did we not do that? They're going to be there. They're going to think that they've lived in a manner to please God, but they have not. They have not. They have not. May we, live in a manner that pleases God and may we have the attitude that says I want God more than I want comfort, pleasure and ease and that's also something that is just antithetical to our society comfort, pleasure and ease are things Americans want and have access to and can attain if they strive for it they can they can get it our homes are being built bigger than ever because people will strive to be able to afford that big home because they want it let us strive to do the things that God calls us to in these verses so 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 when our attitude should be one where we are like we are appreciative of the process because we're excited for the eventual outcome Training camp for for the champion. Nobody likes training camp, but they want that that championship. So they will endure the grind of the training camp, the mundane, all of that, because they want a certain outcome. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And, verse 13, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Many people in our day pursue healing, especially emotional healing, in a way that uh, there, there's some There's definitely some uh, benefit, some good to that. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we are paying attention to our mental health. But I will say that there is a way to pursue healing that doesn't contribute to health. There is a way to pursue healing that does not contribute to health. If there is always a focus on uh, what someone has done to me, and this is why I do that, and I excuse that, and that doesn't please God, that's a form of healing, but that's not healthy. It's not healthy. If I'm always if so so even for the the, the ways that people have Drew talked about uh, people leaving the church, now there is a time to leave a church. I've left church church in my life. Not well, I probably left church in my life. Period. Actually, I have done that, but I've left churches in my life as well. All right? There's a time. There's an appropriate time to leave a church. So. If you're a member here, you know, we, we, don't, we don't lock people down. We don't have handcuffs. We, like when it's your time, it's your time. Like we say, um, be, for your spiritual health, if you can't grow here, don't go here. It's not meant to, to alienate anyone. It's just a, a reality. I've left the church before. I'm sure Pastor Curtis, he talked about the church that he was once a part of before. He, a few churches he was once a part of. I've been a part of a few churches as well. There are, are, there are churches that have done grievous things. And warrant leaving. There are churches that we should not recommend to people. Every church is not a healthy church or a real church. But one thing we should never do in light of even the church's uh, failings. and And I mean the worst failings. Is that we should not leave the Savior because those people in that church misrepresent him. But part of what people do is they just throw everything out. The Lord is not good enough for them. The church isn't good enough for them. Uh, the Bible, they just question everything. Now, I understand there are questions to, to be answered. But you work through those. You don't leave, If you know Jesus, if you know who he is, you don't leave him because of any person. If some way, God forbid, Lord, let this not happen. If Pastor Mike fails you or fails the Lord, and that, hey, look, do not leave Jesus because of me. That's on you. Your decision to leave him is going to be on you. Now, may I get a a little, some more stripes because of that? I'm sure I won't because I don't plan on going nowhere, so I'll just put it like that. (laughs) I don't plan on doing anything. But would that person, sure, sure. There's going to be culpability but do not allow your own salvation, your own pursuit of the Lord to be shaped by people. Shaped by people. No, don't, don't do that. And I, I, so I think healthy healing includes, you know, putting things into perspective. Not excusing anything, but putting it into perspective. Oh, they, they, did, they didn't behave perfectly? Well, we don't know one does, Right. All right, then, then that, that, that's good. They don't, they, they, but, but as for me, I'm going to pursue the Lord. And people can, and, and that should be always, right? Pursuing the Lord should be always. I, I, I told this person once, I was like, yeah, you know, during my vacation, yeah, you know, I visit churches, you know, I do this, I do that. And one person was like, you, you know, Mike, um, you're not going to hell if you miss um, one Sunday of church. As if I didn't know that. I'm aware that I won't miss. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware that I won't go to hell just because I miss church. But I do remember that at my first duty station and I was a believer, young believer uh, at the time. My first duty station was in um, was in Korea. And I remember that. When I got to Korea, I mean, and it was the first time I was like. Free, 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 like nobody knows me, all of that. Um, so, uh, because in basic training, you're not free, you're just like a slave in that joint, so, you <laughs> thank God it wasn't 12 years a slave, but it was, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, so, I get there, and I just think I can get away with anything that I, big enough to get away with, and for about the span of three weeks, I did until the Lord gave the gift of repentance. And it was then that I decided, you know what? Any duty station I go to, I think I need to find like, where the people of God are, and I need, to, like, I need to get with them. I need to get with them. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe God has forgiven me and all of that, but I, need, I just know what I need. So for me, I'm not going to play around with like even getting out of the habit because me, I need all of that. I need all the smoke from the Lord. I need, I need it all. You might not need that, but I need it all. I need I need, to, I need to we, even though we don't do all this, if we were in a church that did this, man, I would try to be at all the prayer meetings, all the Bible studies, all the uh, cleanup, uh, everything because I need it. Now, at this point, I probably could get away from some of that stuff, but the point would be I need to be around the people of God. I need to be around the things of God. I need to be confronted with who I am as a believer because I don't want to forget who I am as a believer because if I forget that my sins have been washed away then I will do anything I'm big enough to do and so will you. And you don't have to go to Korea for that to happen. You can stop engaging God. You can stop reading your Bible. You can even come to church and forget about him. And it just be about community and relationships and a place to go um, on early Sunday mornings just to check the box and then go watch the game or whatever you do, whatever does it for you, and then that's it. And you're no closer to the Lord than you've been. That's possible. what, 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 What influences that, what makes that possible is the position of our heart. The position of our heart won't excuse any other contributing factor than our heart. Other people may tempt us. Other people may provoke us, but it never excuses us. Not in God's sight. Never excuses us. If I'm I'm in a conversation with my wife where um, maybe it's not even an an argument, not even a full-blown argument, but it's one of those tense conversations. Now, I could think about what she said what she may have said to, like, get me to that point. And I I, I will think about that. But I will think about it not to weaponize that against her because on some level, this is just me, it shouldn't, no, I'm going to say what was in my mind. I don't care what she does to me. As it relates to God, my responsibility to him does not change because of her. It's the same always. It's the same always. I am supposed to try to glorify God, not just in my thoughts and my actions, but in my words as well. And as I get older, I understand my words are not just the, 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 the syllables that you hear coming out of my mouth, but it's the whole, it's the tone, it's the body language, it's more than that. So I have to watch that regardless of what she does to me. That's my responsibility before God. Now, it may not be that serious for you, but if it's not that serious, it needs to be that serious. And it could explain some things if it's not that serious. Because it needs to be because we are always living in the face of God who sees everything, who sees every thought, who knows just the flashing thoughts that go through your mind and knows whether or not those thoughts are yours or whether they're one of those fiery darts. He knows So we are are told to take them all captive, right, and bring them to the obedience of Christ. He knows whether we're doing that. We know whether we're doing that. If we're not doing that, we're setting ourselves up. No one else can see that. Only you and God can see that. And sometimes only God can see it because we just, that's just how it is sometimes. But we do need to ask God to help us, give us eyes like he has, so that what bothers him bothers me. So that what's what's good to him is good to me. So that I'm not, not like the dude at the game. Right? Because that shows that what he thinks is good is antithetical to what God thinks is good. And while we may not be as brazen as that guy, we still live before a God who is holy and does not, can't stand to see evil. So we cannot excuse our actions because of the actions of others. We can't say, well, it was because I didn't have a red wagon when I grew up. Uh-uh. Okay. And, and I know that can make it sound trivial, but I, I'm not bringing out no any, you know, no. We have to take all of our burdens to the Lord and cast them on him. And we may not receive answers just like Job didn't receive answers, but we have God who will help us to, that will empower us to live before him. See, this is, th- these passages I'm about to read, they are evidence of, 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 of healing. So, so this is what, what, what I like about this passage, verse 13. He's saying, make, pa- make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be out of joint but rather healed. So we, we you know, if it's out of joint, you're going to limp, right? So so you'll, you'll be able to operate. So there's a measure of healing and health that's come. You may not be like I say with gout, I don't want to get up uh, sometimes because it, hurt, it might hurt my foot or my knee or whatever. Um, you may be able to get up, but if it's out of joint, if you're limping, if everything is always about like what, uh, you know, this that I've been through and I'm still, if it's not, that's not wholeness, wholeness. Would be being able to run, right? Wholeness would be being able to jump. It, the, the, so because the, 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 the leg wouldn't be out of joint, but it would be healed completely. What the writer is, is, is after here is correct healing. Proper healing is the objective. And proper healing, when we're under the discipline of the Lord, when we're in, and in, in, in by discipline, we don't always know when the discipline of the Lord is here. The discipline of the Lord could be a, a, a bad relationship with someone or a relationship that we need to work through. Uh, um, um, the discipline of the Lord could look like, you know, um, having to uh, pray for uh, things for a very long time, things that are good and you know that they are God's will and you believe that that's what he has for you. Um, marriage, salvation for people, uh, those kinds of things. Those things can can can. Be areas in which uh, there, it feels like the discipline of the Lord, right? Even if it's not that. But the principle is that we go through those things in a way that allows us to be healed in the best way. So when it comes to sin, these are some, some verses uh, that, can, that can help us. So Psalm 51 16 and 17. This is David. Now, David, we know how grievous. David's sin, sin was, but he's talking about the Lord here. He says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it to you. You, would not, you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. So the, what the heart we need to go to God with when we sin or when we're in the midst of, 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 of times when we would have drooping arms and weak knees and face falling down and all of that is that if there anything, oh, Lord, that I have contributed to me being in the place that I am in. And if it is, would you reveal it to me and would you help me, Lord God, to be more like you so that I won't ever do it again? When is the last time you prayed that? When is the last time you prayed to the Lord that you wouldn't ever do something again? I'm not, I'm not saying that to, um, I, I'm not even, I'm not thinking that that's something that ought to be like um, a regular prayer. In terms of a commitment. But in terms of a desire. Lord, would you help me not ever to do this again? When's the last time that you prayed that, or have you gotten so used to failing that that's something you're scared to pray? I've been in a position where that's been something I'm scared to pray. Lord, right now I don't even want to pray. I, please forgive me. But this thing has has a hold of me, and it may not be something that is that you would think is grievous, but it doesn't need to be. Remember, remember the gout. Remember that you are what you eat. Remember the little things that contribute to outcomes because they don't disappear. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 11 says this, as it is, I rejoice. This is Paul responding to the Corinthians' response to his correction in what we call, the letter we call First Corinthians. 1 uh, Corinthians. He says, as it is, I rejoice. Not because you were grieved, because he came hard at them in the letter about the immorality that was taking place in their church. So he wasn't rejoicing because they were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. You were grieved into changing things. You were grieved into changing your eating habits. You were grieved into saying, you know what, I'm going to make myself self like Brussels sprouts. You were grieved into doing whatever needs to be done. So that we can walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. For you felt a godly grief. See, there's nothing wrong with grief if it's dealt with properly. So that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So there's that same principle. No drooping, nothing drooping, nothing falling. It's repentance without regret. I can't go to the party. So what? The party has nothing for me. God is enough for me. He's giving me joy that a party could never touch. I had the privilege of of going to see Boys to Men. Close your eyes. Anyway, I had had the privilege to go to, that was a bucket list concert that our kids gifted us for our anniversary. We went in, in, in March and then uh, on Friday, my wife, um, she blessed me um, and, and took me to the C.C. Wines concert at UNBC. Uh, and the difference between those two concerts was very, very, very stark. I mean, some for obvious reasons. That might be why you're laughing. But but, but boys Men, they can still sing. They, they put on a good show. I appreciated it. I was liking it. There was one thing that was lacking for me, which C.C. Wines had. All of the glory in the concert. None of it went to C.C. Winans. Now the people before it, I don't know what they did because we got in there kind of late. But when, But her, she was all about Jesus. All about giving the glory and the honor to the Lord. Everything, everything, everything was about him. They were different. There is a, a grief and a kind of repentance that does not lead to salvation without regret. There's a, a grief that, uh, that, will, that, will, uh, that will cause us to make changes in order to get a, a, an outcome, which is different than making changes to please the Lord. Those are different. Those are different. If I want someone to do something for me, that also could be seen as a form of manipulation. If you're a person like me, that's how I would think it. If I'm doing it, if I'm look, evaluating myself, I'm like, I'm not doing it. That. That's manipulative. Why do we do what we do? Why do we read our Bible? Is it to check a list or is it to be with the Savior? If it's not to be with the Savior, this is what, because I've read my Bible without that. I ask the, the Lord will not stiff arm you if you come to him and you say, Lord, right now I'm not feeling to read my Bible. I know I need to read my Bible. I want to want to read my Bible. Can you help me? Can you give me a desire to read your Bible? Because I need to interact with you. And I need to interact with you, not just in my own mind, but I need to interact with you objectively. And your word allows me to do that. I cannot change your word. In my mind, I can change you a little bit because I can not ultimately, but how I'm processing him. Right. I can make God into my own image. Right. That's why we need his word so that we will not we will not do that. We need to have uh, godly grief. Because godly grief doesn't make excuse. Godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. But also what eagerness to clear yourselves. The eagerness to clear yourselves is just a way of saying, you know what, what I used to do, I'm not doing anymore. You, you probably heard this, heard people like and caricaturized like uh, 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 portrayals of what the church is where people say, the places I used to go, I don't go anymore. The things I used to say, I don't, well, hey, that might seem like a caricature to you, but this eagerness to clear ourselves includes like, you know what? We're not doing what we used to do. We're not going where we used to go. We're not saying what we used to say. What indignation, indignation, indignation should come to, should come for the believer. If we sin, indignation should come as the Lord, why and how, why did I do this? And how could I do this? What set me up? Again, Gout. What was I eating that caused this pain to come on me? That caused this, this, this ability to say, you know, what? right now I don't care what God thinks. I'm going to do what I want to do. We should have indignation. We should have fear because what does sin, especially grievous sin, but you should be concerned, we, not you, we, we should be concerned about respectable sins because if we excuse those, the grievous ones are coming. If we excuse those, the grievous ones are coming. Sin begets sin just as righteousness begets righteousness. So what fear? Lord, I'm dull right now. What does that trajectory look like? We've all seen people where the trajectory is like, man, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to be me. Not like the Pharisee, but like out of fear. Like if one person could do it, like, Anyone can do it like that. like that. What fear. Lord, protect us. Help us. We need you. What longing. One of the things that any sin should do for us, and it doesn't always do this for me, but I'm preaching to myself as well. One of the things that any sin should do for us is to show us that we're capable of anything we're capable of anything you see the rest of the verse up there um, but I'll go to this one Ephesians 4 25-28 therefore having put away falsehood let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Just want to pause right there. All of that stuff can seem like things we ought not, that things that we could get away with not doing. But I'm telling you, do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not carry anger towards one another or to your spouse or your kids or whomever, even uh, your coworker. If it's possible, if they're not in the Lord, just take it to the Lord and, and cast it on him and keep doing it if you need to. But verse 28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. When we come to the Lord with a broken and a contrite heart, when we have godly sorrow, it's not just enough for us to stop doing the thing that we were doing, but but our desire should be to be transformed in such a way that we do the opposite of what we were doing. So the thief is not to steal because he was taken from people, but he's to labor and doing honest work with his hands so that he has something to share. So rather than steal, he's to share. He's supposed to be transformed to that degree that he's doing the opposite of what he was doing because that's a way that he can produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So let's make sure we're not making excuse for our sin because of something that happened. Now I understand that there they are contributors. I understand that. But at some point with any, with even with any like secular counselor, at some point they're going to have to bring us, whoever's you know, before them to a place where we take responsibility for what we can, and our actions are something that we are responsible for. We're responsible for those. We'll have to stand on our own before God to give an account for those. No one else else will be with us. But Lord, they, they, you know, I don't know what that day is going to look like. I don't know if it's just all our, everything in our life just going to flash before us, like people say. But like. It's not going to be, uh, oh, yeah, Mike, uh, because um, this happened to you like that. No. Somewhere in this world, somebody has gone through more than any of us, and they respond and act different than we do. And some of those people may not even know the Lord. They may not even know the Lord. They may just be living that way because that's healthy for them. We have something larger than being healthy ourselves we are trying to live for the Lord and if we are trying to do these things then we will strive verse 14 uh, Hebrews 12 we will strive for peace with everyone and we will strive for the holiness without no one will see God now to strive God I'm sorry the King James but to see the Lord Um, but the strive to strive is to exert oneself vigorously to try hard now I believe that believers are going to exert themselves. I believe that they're going to try. But the two words that are missing that I mentioned in this this definition is to uh, exert oneself vigorously, to try hard. Some of us, and I think I would include myself in this because I've been walking with the Lord for a pretty long time. But as I was at the concert and I heard songs from decades of walking with them that C.C. sings and being transported back to like maybe times I was really enjoying that song or whatever. There are times when we don't pursue the Lord vigorously. There are times when just out of, cult, just out of habit we read our Bible. Just out of habit we pray. I don't know if I grew up Catholic, so I I don't know if this is just their prayer, but this is what I used to pray with my food then. I don't even know the prayer but uh, completely, but it was something like, uh, it was something you could say very fast. It wasn't this, but it would be akin to, so this has no spiritual (coughs) value to it, but it was like, good Lord, good Greek, good meat, good God, let's eat. But being able to say that, like, "Good Lord," so we can we can we can do things like that. We can do things out of just rote. Ah, uh, uh, did, did that? Did that? Did that? Yeah. You, how you been praying? Yeah, I'm reading my Bible. Okay, good. And don't know like why we're not where we should be or ought to be where we think we would be. Well, we don't have the heart that is seeing our vigorous need for the Lord. We don't think we need to try hard because, I mean, I'm under the blood of Jesus. And yes, that's so true. But the blood should motivate. The blood should motivate. As we'll see, the blood should motivate. If there's not a vigor, if there's not an appropriate energy, we need to ask the Lord for it. And we need to ask him for it as if we need it. Because if we don't think we need it, we'll act like we don't need it. And then an outcome that you don't want. Or an outcome that you want. But right now as you sit here, you cannot imagine yourself wanting that may be an outcome for you. May be an outcome for me. Well, there are outcomes we should not want. There are outcomes that should be there should never even be a hint of. There are outcomes that cause my natural reaction to things i don't like is anger but even for a person like that outcomes that will <laughs> give you give a sense of sadness It's that serious where vigor is necessary. Where vigor is lacking, I'm saying, like, we need to pursue the vigor. And by pursue, I mean, (coughs) excuse me, cry out to the Lord and ask Him to give us the vigor. Ask Him to give us the heart to try hard. Ask Him to give us the desire. Ask Him to create in me a clean heart, right? Ask Him. Striving includes. Vigor. It includes effort, but not just effort. Vigorous effort. Notice that in the in the the, where it says that one of the things we should strive for is the holiness, without which no one will see God. Now, it could have been it it could have been stated from the author that we should strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. But there's an article in front of that, that Hebrew word, so it's strive for the holiness. And see, striving for the holiness should bring us to places. Where, what does the holiness mean? Well, we understand that there is a, 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 a kind of uh, godliness that people, pers- that people engage in where the power of the godliness is denied. It's a form of godliness, but it's not the godliness that God calls us to. And so if there is a form of godliness, that's one of the things that should sober us all, that, my goodness, God, there is a form of godliness. People can look a certain way. People can even behave in certain ways, and it just be a mere form. It is not the holiness which God requires. It's not the holiness without which no one will see God. It is it is something different. It's foreign. It's a counterfeit. It's fake. So we're to strive to have the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that starts at the heart. It starts at the heart level and it manifests in ways that include things I've already mentioned, things you already know, but that might be part of the issue for us is that it's not, as you've heard before, it's not anything new, it's just what's true, right? It's just like, yes, reading my book, like, that which, God has not changed the ways to access him for thousands of years. He's not changing them for you, he's not changing them for me. No, again, he's the king, not me, not us. So, having to pray, having to fast, having to read God's word, having to meditate, those things are the way to access communion with the Lord. There you go. The thing that's the variable is the heart, the heart that engages those things. And again, if we have a heart problem, there's, there's, there's a heart surgeon that we can go to and we can ask him, to help us because um, we want to access the holiness, right? And holiness is basically just being set apart to the Lord and apart from other things. So it's being dedicated to the Lord, which you you, you already, um, the um, um, members here already know that. What's interesting, though, here is that um, there's a need to strive for peace with people mentioned here, um, and that's because that though the though made up of various parts, the church, the people of God, are a unit, and a local church, local churches are a specific expression of the cosmic unity that we have. So, in Revelation two and three, um, there's there are letters to seven local churches, right? Um, In in the Old Testament, uh, uh, Joshua 7, 1, after one one of the people of Israel broke uh, the rules that God had instituted, which was at Jericho, you should take nothing. Uh, Joshua 7, 1 says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, um, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So one person in the congregation in the, of the people did something that God uh, begins, according to the author, uh, is applicable to all of the people. But the people of Israel broke faith. He didn't start with Achan. He goes to Achan, gets to Achan. But his, the consequences for his sin are felt by the entire Congregation, the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So Israel, if you remember, they 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 get together, they strategize for what they're going to do for the next uh, nation they need to conquer, which is uh, AI. And they um, they say, you know what, AI is so small, we don't even need everybody. So we'll just keep some people back, and then I don't know if you remember what happened, but they got routed by little AI, and they got routed not because they weren't superior uh, militarily to AI, but they. Had broken faith with God, so Achan's private sin had impact within the whole congregation. First and that's not just uh, Old Testament; that's New Testament. First Corinthians five, uh, six, and eight, six through eight. Um, your boasting is not good. Uh, this is him talking about the situation with the um, immoral brother. Um, do not, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So just a little bit of complaining leavens the lump. A little bit of gossip leavens the whole lump. Therefore, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. And then I'll, you please project the rest of the verse, but for, for the sake of time, I need to, to move on. The reason we're to live at peace, and this peace, I believe, especially with how we're talking, Uh, this peace is not just peace that's cordial. It's not just peace that's like, hey, what's up, bro? Uh, But it's peace that uh, will allow us to be connected in a way way that is representative of, of the cosmic reality of who we are in the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ. So there are things that there are ways we need to pursue each other, that we that we should just people in in the church members of this church just have a passport to come and to ask how I'm doing. That members in the church um, are cared about enough that if we see people, I, I, you know, Pastor Kurt said. I think I think I, I listened to the message before we even talked about uh, anything, and uh, he said I'm 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 coming for you. So I, I mean, he said he's coming for you, but I think I'll just say we coming for you. Right. We, we, we're coming and we want the we not just to be Pastor the curtain us. Growth in holiness is a community project. Growth in holiness is a community project. I know we're American, but I'll say it again. That's why I'm repeating myself. I know you heard it, but but growth in holiness to God is a community project. So please don't get mad if somebody asks after you. Don't be, please don't start getting offended because somebody asked, don't, don't do it. Don't, because it's too serious. It's, it's too, we live in a culture where, where people think that it is possible to be a healthy believer in Christ without going to church. That, 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 that's not, we don't see that in the Bible. I understand we they didn't have screens and all that stuff, that they didn't have technology, but we all know, even at work, that there's a difference between having a, a meeting where we're remote, everybody, that's virtual, and then being in the same room. We know that it's different to work with people who are scattered all over the country as opposed to being with people you can see at the water cooler in the break room. Uh, it, it's different. It's different. It's different. Let's pursue each other, and let's not be mad, but let's, let's make sure that we're at peace with each other, not only through how we interact, but also... With how we, not only with how we interact with each other, but how we live our lives separately. May we, may we see that it's not just Pastor Kurtz or my or any leaders' sins that could destroy a church, but that any member sin can destroy a church. Any. Sin can embolden people to do things that they shouldn't do. And man, I have so much more to share, but time is not uh, on my side here. So we'll figure out what to do with that, but we are to strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without, no one will see the Lord. And I can't help but but hit verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it many become defiled. So we mentioned that it's not just leader sins that can tear, destroy a church but it's everyone's and he alludes to it after he talks about the root of bitterness but I want to say uh, a couple things about the grace of God um, <coughs> Excuse me. people sometimes can mystify the grace of God we want to make sure that that's not possible we want to see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So what does it look like? What does the grace of God look like? Well, Titus 2, 11 through 15 is a great passage to show us what that looks like. For the grace of God, it says, beginning in verse 11, 2, 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this in the present age. So the grace of God doesn't just look like um, when we come to the cross and we're forgiven of all of our sins, but the grace of God also looks like pursuing the holiness without which no one will see God. What does that look like? Well, we're trained to renounce ungodliness. We're trained to renounce worldly passion, and we take those things off and push them to the side, but then we put on a self-controlled upright, and godly life right now. So the grace of God looks like pleasing God right now. The access to the power to please God, to be holy, is here right now. This verse lets us know, and it shows us like the the the, 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 um, the putting to death and the putting on. The putting to death, renounced ungodliness and worldly passes. put on, self-controlled living, upright living, godly lives, right now. So we don't have to We obviously there's going to be a different level when we are with God but we don't have to wait until then to access the holiness without no one will see the Lord. So it looks like applying God's grace to do things that please God. Uh, Philippians 2 says this therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only in my uh, presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is the one who gives the motivation, but we have to be the ones that execute the demonstration. God is the one who gives the motivation. God's giving believers the desire. If we, don't, if we can't recognize the desire, we need to ask him to give it to us because Either that means like we just aren't you know in 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 a good place and we just need the Lord right now, or we need to be carried by the Lord right now, or it can mean that we don't know the Lord. That's that's what those things can mean. The grace of God also helps people to to repent. So in in, in Acts 17, you can look look these up. You don't have to project a verse or anything, but uh, look them up. 17:30 uh, and and, uh, and and 31. Now we now, sorry I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to cut out and stuff. All right, so, the grace of God looks like accessing the power of God to walk in a manner worthy of God. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So if he says, see to it that no one fails... It means, it means, I mean, it's is logical that it means that someone could fail to obtain the grace of God. Their failure will not be because God didn't provide them with the things they needed, for we just read verses that says, hey, God works in you both to willing to do. Their failure is going to be because they minimized. They were like Esau in his birthright. I don't need that. I don't need this. I'm good right now. I'm just going through something right now. To heal right, we need to navigate those things, life, ups and downs, in a way that is dependent upon the Lord. Because if we don't, if we don't, then we're going to run into trouble. So he says, Make sure that, that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. So that's, that root of bitterness is only found in, in one other place in scripture. It's reference is uh, Deuteronomy 29, 18, which says, Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today. From the Lord our God. Let's pause right there. Just turning the ability to turn away from the Lord our God includes like not reading, includes not going to church, includes not praying, includes anything that is not focused uh, 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 on him where he is not the target of the not only the outcome, but the interaction. The result of that is that they will turn away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. This was the Old Testament, right? So that the gods of the nations that are in the promised land. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. This is, again, corporate. But it starts with us as individuals, right? He starts with with, uh, the man, the woman, the clan, the tribe. Let's do all we can as individuals to make sure that there's no root of poison and bitter fruit that's coming from us, from me. The way I live my life in secret has impact on this church in public. Because he goes on to say, the end of verse 15, by it many may become defiled. And I will close by reading the. and probably saying a few words about 16 and 17, but probably just in summary. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know how bad that sounds right now? In the moment, it didn't, it didn't seem bad or, or that bad, but it sounds horrible right now. That's what sin does. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. I will say in reading, (coughs) excuse me, in reading about Esau, just in not now, but like in the past. Personally, I can't help but have compassion on the man for how things unfolded on him, and I think I can't have compassion because I don't. I can't help but have compassion because I don't get. There's something about me that doesn't get how he despised his birthright. And it's very sad. It's very sad. Once Jacob was, was, was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, he, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, oh, okay, now this is his birthright. We ain't worrying about his birthright right now, um, so we're going to just move. That's, that was the account. That was Genesis 25-25. 29 through 34, you can read that him selling his birthright. This is him coming in after his father told him to go out, make some food for him so he could bless him. Genesis 27, 34. As soon as Esau saw, heard the words of his father, who told him that he had already blessed Jacob, and instead he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, Even me also, my father, exclamation point. Verse 36, Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Verse 38, Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even also me, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Esau is presented as an example, not only of what not to do, but as an example of what can happen if someone does not, if someone does not um, uh, obtain the grace of God. There's going to be, as the scripture says, weeping and gnashing of And repentance at that point will not even be possible. Repentance at this point for some in this room may not be desirable, but at that, that point it won't be possible. Some people may not want to change their life. Some people may not want to embrace what we have to embrace in order to pursue vigorously the things of the Lord. But we see Esau Crying out for just one blessing from his father because he has no more access right now the day and time in which we live, I call it the, the the season of reconciliation but there's going to come a time where there's a season of retribution where God will give to everyone what they have what they have earned not that our salvation is based on what we what we earn, but God has a way of parsing all of that out so that Whatever we've done, he's going to give us us our reward that is commensurate with how we treated him. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. How do we treat the Lord? If we do not treat the Lord right, what, what can we expect? What do we expect when we don't treat other people right? Them not speaking to us, them not doing stuff for us, them not liking us, all, all that stuff. Well, God's not going to be so petty as to like do that. He'll still, he causes the rain to fall and the, and, the, and the sun to shine on the just as well as the unjust. But when that day comes, everything we've earned will be given to us. Let's remember Esau. Before Before there's any reason to cry, before there's any reason to be ashamed, before there's any reason to think about the ramifications of my neglect of the Lord on my life, on my church, on my family, on my friends. Let us not fail to obtain the grace of God who gives grace to change, gives grace to change, gives grace to change. Now, if we don't want that, he's not going to force it on us, but he gives grace to change. I'll close this by reading this from verse 18. I'm just reading no commentary of Hebrews 12. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given them. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. than the blood of Abel. Brothers and sisters, let's not neglect Jesus, the mediator who purchased us with his own blood. Let us embrace all that he has for us, not just the things that are convenient to us. Let us not despise the process because if we despise the process, we will definitely despise the product. And we do not want to be in a place where we have to despise the product. Father, would you have mercy on us? We need you. You know that we are just dust. You know that our hearts are prone to wander. But Lord, we ask you that you would Bind our hearts to you. We ask you that you help us to appreciate you, appreciate your grace in our lives, appreciate being able to glorify you and counting that as something special and something to be pursued over and over and over again. Would you please wake up the dull, those who are asleep? Would you please resurrect people who may be dead in here, who do not have life in you. Would you remind them that Jesus gave his life and he extends the invitation for people to (coughs) embrace, to embrace him as their Lord and Savior and to change the trajectory of their lives by living a life of repentance. Father, would you building us a hunger and thirst for your righteousness and would you fill it and may your filling just prepare us for more desire and more infilling in Jesus name amen amen amen
1: alright buddy thanks for that word Mike um, we, we don't have too many questions this morning so uh, just let me know if we hit time and okay First question we have this morning is, is it possible to lose the blessings God had for you, even if you turned back to the Lord in repentance? For example, if you fell back into the old habits that you had after knowing the truth, does God still accept your repentance?
0: Um, so I hear that question differently, but the, the last part of it, so I might answer it two ways. Um, in terms of repentance... I mean, I I do believe that the Esau example that's in scripture um, is there to let us know that it's possible for that to happen. Now, I think, you know, if if I'm using like the entirety of my theological framework, um, that then, you know, we're getting into like 1 John, where like those who were with you, um, but they aren't any longer, they were never of you. Um, Only God knows that. Right? Only God knows who's, who's real and who's, show my age here, Memorex, which yeah. is just like something where you, it's like a cassette tape. Like they, they were supposed to be so good you couldn't tell the difference. But only God knows the difference between like people who go through the motions and they're not of him ultimately um, and who are. I do believe that those who are the people of God will not, they'll be brought to repentance, That he, that God will give, the gift of repentance to, uh, to those people. Um, you know, I've, I've mentioned that I've backslid in before throughout my, the course of my, probably a few times, you know, throughout the course of my life with the Lord. Um, obviously, I believe that I'm a believer. I wouldn't add to that being a pastor because um, that would just be more uh, to answer for. Um, but I do think, having said that, I do think that in terms of blessings so if we if we so yes repentance is a blessing but I do believe that there are blessings that God may have you know uh, uh, had for us in terms of his uh, you know his will that <laughs> excuse me um, that we that we won't get you know I believe that there are things that we for that we can forfeit on it. I don't, we won't know it But uh, we we won't know it. Um, I don't even know if the Lord would tell us, I had this, this, and that for you. Um, But I do know our actions have consequence, even spiritual consequence, and that it it behooves us to not trifle with God, um, but it also, if we are in a place where we have done that, there are many passages that give hope. That God will receive the repentant, um, even the actions of David after knowing God and being called a man after God's own heart, and doing like you know, this this man you know did a few sins in one situation, right? Um, but God didn't reject him, right? And even and even after his sin, God's like, All right, this this or that for you. Which one do you want? And He's like, I'll take, I'll take whatever you give, because men won't have mercy on me, you know. So even he still understands his relationship. With God is intact, even though he sinned, and so I think um, you know I think repentance is always appropriate. And if uh, that person or anyone has questions about how to access that, um, because it can be difficult to access that if you've just hard, this is what you have to understand about sin, right? And this is this is the this is the thing about trajectory. Our hearts harden; they change. The things we used to be sensitive to. We are no longer sensitive to. It takes time to recover from that. It takes time to to thaw out, if you would, right, your heart. So, so if that person, you know, needs uh, help, I mean, I'll be glad to walk with them. I'm sure a number of people in this church will be glad to walk with them. Uh, but because we want to see as many people in this church celebrating with us in heaven as possible, so. Um, if anyone needs help, like uh, Mike at SolidRockChurch.net, that's my email address. I'm not giving out my phone number online, so um, <laughs> but, but if you email me, I, I can send it to you, right? Um, and if you already have have that, you can you can text me. You can do whatever. You can we we accessible around here. So um, so that's what I say. Yes, I believe that there is a danger that a person will not be able to receive will not be able to repent, but I I really, also, I'm sorry, I know I'm taking a while with this, but I think it's very important. I also think that, I also know that repentance is a gift. And so we can think that we can repent whenever we want, but if we don't have the gift of repentance, we're not gonna wanna repent, period. We're not going to want to do that. So if I were that person, I would look at the fact that I desire to even know the answer to that question, as a sign that, you know what, I need to, I need to be about what I, need to, what I know I need to be about in the Lord. And if I need help to do that, which you probably do, um, I should reach out for help and you should get that help. Um, because we, we're offering help. That's why we're coming after you. We ain't, we're not coming after you to like bust heads. We're coming after you to like to make sure everybody is good spiritually and, 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 and we're going to keep doing that. Because we know we need that over and over again. So,
1: Thank you. Uh, last one, um, you mentioned in the in the message that um, it, this is a community thing that we need to be in community in order to to go after some of these things. For those of us who are used to living our faith as an individual relationship with the Lord and not in a community aspect, how do we go about bringing others into into that and and growing in Letting other people speak into our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I, I think um, the way you <coughs> around here, the way you would do that, <laughs> is um, I think you should definitely be a part of a core group, where and the kind of core group where you can uh, talk about these things. If you if there's some reason you can't do that, um, you could. Uh, meet with one of us pastor curto and myself um to get into like the details of like what your challenges might be as it relates to <coughs> <coughs> excuse me as, as it relates to opening up to people but i think um in addition to that i would say there are many wise people um in most churches <laughs> um depending on the church size right um uh so Hopefully, there's someone that this person respects enough, has seen fruit in their life enough to engage and say, "You know what? I was the person that asked that question, and I was wondering, you know, if I could, if you could, um, just help me rebound, help me to grow in like just opening up." Um, and and I would say to that person, um, that's going to be incremental. Again, you I've mentioned throwing out like that. That that's something you're going to have to do. Over and over again. Um, so I would say find trusted, mature people who can help you, and give them a passport to ask you questions, and not just ask you questions. I should also say this: tell them what you need help with. We're not Colombo around here. We're not. We're not. We're like we, we, can keep coming back, but we're not. We don't. We're not. This isn't a de- detective agency. This is the church, right? So. We're not going to be like, you know, all right, man, just have these five que- we, questions. Well, I'm sure we can get questions, but like, people can maneuver questions, right? People can, you, you, like the heart of the individual has to be open to receive and to give enough information so that there can be growth in the area of like making yourself known. So make a good choice in terms of who um, and then you'll incrementally go there, but you'll, you'll incrementally interact with them, but make sure you're giving them information and allowing them to ask questions and repeat. Just keep doing it over and
1: over. And, and to add to that real quick, could you explain how that kind of fellowship and being in fellowship requires transparency um, and it, how it doesn't work without intentionality? There's always intentionality.
0: There's always intentionality, meaning you're either going to intentionally be transparent or you're going to choose not to be. There's always intentionality. The question is like, what kind of intention do you have? To make the most of what we're talking about in terms of relationship, there has to be a measure of trust, and first the trust has to be in God, for again, the process. The process produces the product, so there has to be um, there has to be like, trust in the process, trust in God who oversees the process, and then obviously trust for the people that you're inviting. Don't invite them if you don't trust them. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying like somebody should come up here and be like, hey, I'm the one that had the question, everybody come. Like, we shouldn't do that, but like, find who you can That can help you. And if you need help finding, then that's, I mean, you know, we, our church isn't that big. We know our members pretty well. Um, You can come to Pastor Curdle Me and we can hear some of what your struggles are. And we may be able to like have you work with someone who can relate. Um, But again, even relate, even relating is not required. Even being able to relate specifically to what one's, uh, someone's challenges are, does not, is not a requirement for being able to help them. Everyone should remember that, the person helping and the person who's being helped. Truth is truth regardless. Now, you can get other perspectives that may include someone who's, but we should be committed to truth because it's what's going to produce what, we, what we're looking for in the Lord. So, um, But there's always intentionality. And let's remember that this week as we pray for our retreat, as we um, pursue our growth. Let's remember that intentionality is always there, one way or the other, positive and negative. So God bless everybody. I'll see you Friday for those who are coming. Thank you. I always do that when we get into these. But um, I always forget communion, man. Sort of always forget it. I mean, once I sat down, I would have remembered it and be like. <coughs> but hopefully, everyone has their their uh, their communion gear, their communion elements. <laughs> we'll be on a retreat Sunday, so there won't we won't be here Sunday. So if you're not a uh, so, hopefully all the members realize that. But if you're a guest, um, you won't be able to access us online or anything. We have the hidden camera stuff. No, no, you won't be able to access us online, online or anything. Thank you. All right, so we, we, we closed by reading uh, near the end of Hebrews 12. And it reminded us that uh, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and that we are in a kingdom that's been sprinkled uh, by his blood, And that he speaks a better word than Abel. Will someone mind bringing me a a communion? Um, Because, some kind of way, my wafer is in here. I I don't even, thank you so much. I don't know how that happened. All right. But the one who shed his blood that we would have more to look forward to and even the righteousness of Abel. His blood speaks a better word than his and definitely speaks a better word than all of the burnt offerings and the sacrifices because he's living and he's with us to help us to repent. We thank Jesus for his sacrifice which makes it possible for there to be repentance even when we have strayed away. We thank Jesus who shed his blood that he would be the good shepherd who who <laughs> excuse me pursues his sheep even when they go astray. In light of the mercy and the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ, we remember that work and we celebrate that work in just a moment. I will say If you have not trusted in Jesus as your Savior, his blood does not apply to you in that way. His desire would be for you to embrace him as your Savior and Lord. But if that isn't you, we do ask you to please not take communion. Even if you opened it up, don't be ashamed. None of us were born believers in Jesus or following him as our Lord. But he's brought us to where we are Hopefully today he's bringing you, and if he has, please come see me before you leave. But for those of us who have trusted in him, those of us who submit to him as Lord, let us take and eat the wafer which represents his body. And now let us take the juice which represents the blood that was shed, and let us drink. Lord, be with your people. May we please you. May we desire you. May we be about your business here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.